I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews 11 this morning uh, for the time in the Word of God. Hebrews 11. And there's so many of our folk missing today. And thank you for being in the house of God. Uh, Hebrews 11, I'm going to go there. And then if you'll go back to 1 Samuel chapter 7, those are the two places I'll be reading primarily today from the Scripture. It is no longer speculation. Ladies and gentlemen, our world has changed. The past few months, it has been my role to ask the Lord, especially what direction from the pulpit, what direction from your word, I take a sense of being a shepherd as a great responsibility. I don't go to a book and pick out three points and bring them. I try to go to the Spirit of the Lord and follow what I believe the Spirit prompts. I believe that the writing of God's Spirit, or book, the Spirit of God writing His book, I believe it's for our instruction I believe it is for our direction. I believe it is for our encouragement. I also believe it is for our preparation. How many of you know that God gives prophecies here so we can be ready? And I believe it's for the direction and the guiding of our lives as believers every day. How many of you know we're a called out people? We don't live like the rest of the world because we're born of the Spirit of God. Today I want to give you a picture from the Scripture, and I I want to give you a picture to encourage us, but I want it also to give us instruction. I want it to give us our assignment for this late hour. God has called every one of us in this room to leadership. It is leadership in the Spirit. It is leadership in our homes, in our marriages. Students, it's leadership assigned as witnesses on the campus. Everywhere we go, we are assigned a job. And I want to talk about that today. So let's go to Hebrews 11. And I want to read just a verse of Scripture, the Hall of Fame of Those of Faith. I want to talk about one man, Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? He has listed all these in the scripture of faith. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. I could read on through there in great measure. I just want you to know that Samuel was listed in what I call the Hall of Fame of Faith in the Scripture. Let's go to Samuel, 1 Samuel, back over in the Old Testament, chapter 7. I want to read some verses of Scripture to give us a background, the setting. um, This is a special time in Israel's life at the writing of Samuel. The, The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God... Because Israel had backslidden and turned their back on God and mixed other gods, syncretism with worshiping God and made God just one among other gods. That ark that represented the presence of God in a battle was stolen, if you will. And for 20 years it was in the wrong hands. 
Samuel, uh, after all the stuff we'll talk about in a minute, many things that happened, finally Israel realized they needed the presence of God back in the nation, which I hope we realize. Can you say amen? amen? I hope we'll realize it and call upon God. So they called and they Samuel told him to return to the Lord with all your heart in verse 3. Put away all foreign gods. Prepare your hearts to serve only God. So I want to pick up this story at verse 5, if you will, of 1 Samuel 7. Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, Watch this, first time in 20 years, you talk about quarantined from the presence of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a quarantine. Aren't you glad we're not quarantined from the presence of God? So they gathered and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said, There we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Verse 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the children had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. Isn't it ironic? You take a step toward the Lord to do something right, and the enemy always wants to try to defeat it. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord God for us, that we may, he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Don't miss that line. And the Lord answered him. How many of you want God to answer you? Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Watch what I believe God's going to do in some kind of like manner in the coming future. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. I want to tell you something, that God who created the elements can use the elements. Verse 11, And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone, set it up between Mizpah and Shan, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. It is God who got us out of this fix, if you will. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore to the territory of Israel. Watch this. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of who? Samuel. What an amazing, what an amazing picture for us. Father, anoint us to hear and to speak today. Father, whether we're in the sanctuary or whether we're on the internet, Lord, may your presence be felt as your word goes forth. For in it, Lord, I pray you be glorified. I call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Human beings like heroes. We like to point to someone and declare that that we believe in them. And this is somebody we look up to. If you would like a hero, I want to suggest one to you today, and it is the man named Samuel. 
a major portion and an important portion of the Word of God bears His name. I read, read for you and shared with you that in the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith, He is one of the names that is mentioned. I want to share with you, not in Scripture, have I ever seen one thing that would speak negatively of Samuel. I've also never seen one thing spoken negative of Caleb, nor of Timothy in the New Testament. Not anything against those three men. Samuel was a praying man. What a compliment. How many of you want to be known as praying people? Samuel approached God on the behalf of others. I don't think there's any greater service than someone who prays can go before God and call my name out to the Lord for me. I think that's one of the greatest things that that can ever happen for me. But I want to share with you, praying requires faith. As a matter of fact, in Mark 11, we'll read a few verses of Scripture. Here's, Here's about faith and faith. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I will say to you, whoever says to this mountain, remember that word, it means a situation, something that the enemies brought against the people of God. Whoever says to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Wow. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. What a promise that is. It takes faith to qualify for praying a prayer of faith and Samuel qualified. So let us learn something from Samuel. This man faced a mountain. How would you like to be called upon today for the United States of America and on your telephone or by medium somehow or a knock on your door, the whole nation would like for you to pray a special prayer for us. Here, here's why it was a mountain. It was a sad and dark day in Israel. Eli the priest, who was supposed to be the major portion of who would intercede for the nation had failed. He had failed miserably. He had two adult sons that committed horrid sin, even in the temple of God in that day, because he did not discipline those young men. Ichabod was born, and he was named Ichabod because it said the glory had departed. The ark, as I said, had been taken to Ashdod and sat by up by a statue of a god by the name of Dagon. The statue of Dagon was a god that was worshipped half god and half fish. They set the Ark of the Covenant beside this statue. And I want to declare to you, America and the rest of the world today, here's a picture of about God. God is the one who created. God is the one who made everything. God is the one who designed us. God is responsible for all creation. And He will not share that glory with any man-made God. 
And you can come up and they have with hundreds of gods and especially in Greek and all these plagues, Greece, all these gods. And my wife and I visited years ago. I've never seen so many little statues of so many gods in my whole life. But they're all man-made. God will not set by and he will not be considered equal with any small g God. They set this the ark beside of this statue of Dagon. That morning, the next morning, they found the statue fallen on its face. God will not be equal with any small God. They set it back up. The next morning, they found it fallen again, and this time, the head and both hands had been severed from that statue. Listen, God says, commandment one, there shall be no other gods before me. And so, go through the ages, go through the centuries, go through at least six plus thousand years of human existence on the earth. One thing we need to know in this late hour, God will not be considered among other gods. The ark, the present, was moved. So, finally, that, that nation said, What shall we do with the Ark of the Covenant? Look what's happening. And Israel was spiritually bankrupt. So the question came, what will we do with this Ark? After 20 years, Israel had not met. 20 years the Ark had been gone. So it was stored away. Israel as a nation, as a result of it, had no life. There was no living in their living. They had no strength spiritually. They were spiritually bankrupt. I want to declare to the world today on the internet and into our world in the sanctuary, Israel as a nation had come unto sin. Sin had run its course in that nation. And empty promise after empty promise of living it up had taken its toll on that nation. Israel finally, sick of all the other gods and realizing they were bankrupt and needed help, called upon Samuel. They knew this was a man of God. Samuel responded, okay, here's what you do. Prepare your hearts to serve God only. That means all the gods of Baal and all the Canaanite gods and all the other gods must be put away. Serve God only. Prepare your heart. Serve God only. And I'll pray. When that prayer started, you can read the scripture because Israel had, the other Canaanite gods had so dominated 50,070 people of the city of Beth Shemesh literally looked at the ark of God, which God would not allow, and they were stricken because they did what was commanded not to be done. So, the words came, Give this ark back to Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, God's presence in our lives is the reason we have any joy and that is the most important thing we know is the presence of God. I I think it's much better to be in the sanctuary worshiping God than outside these doors, don't you? There's just something about the atmosphere. But I'm glad to tell you, even on the internet today, the presence of God can be felt in homes and restaurants or hospitals anywhere else. 
So give this back to God, they, back to Israel they did. Prepare your heart, serve God only. God answered them, let's look. Six quick points and I'll be finished. First of all, prayer was made for forgiveness of sin, followed by cleanliness of living. Church, mom and dad, young people, God will not ignore sin and disobedience. We must be submitted to His way. We must have a righteous obedience about our lives in 2020. Say amen. We must have it. The scripture is plain. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. America needs to get on its face and pray, and it needs to repent for forgiveness of sin. The first thing Samuel did was tackle all the hindrances. The people drew water. They cleansed themselves and then poured it out as symbolic of washing from their filthiness of sin. They realized they had gone away from God and they were coming back to God. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, most of all must, and first of all, must have clean vessels. Point two, Samuel met the challenge of doubts and fears. I want to tell you, this world in the last few months has taken on a mentality of fear and a mentality of uncertainty like I've never seen in my lifetime. Don't kid yourself. God is setting a stage. God will do something across this world. And the good news is you and I know what it is and we can prepare for it. Aren't you glad you're in the household of faith? He persisted. This man of prayer persisted in spite of every discouragement. The enemy will begin to mobilize the minute you pray or the minute you try to draw near to God. Israel had not met, let me remind you, for 20 years. And when they did come together to meet, to ask Samuel to pray, they were threatened instantly by the Philistines. Just like Satan will always come. How many have ever had the experience, you go to pray, Lord, I know I need to pray. There's something in my life, something that's desperate, and I need to pray, Lord, I need an answer. And you know that Satan is there with every kind of thought and every kind of interruption you would ever imagine possible. Satan will gather to fight you in this spiritual realm. But I want us to hear it. If we are not spiritually Secure, And if we are not spiritually mature, fear can overwhelm us. But I want us to notice what God did. Because Samuel prayed, God thundered so loudly in the heavens that the Philistines ran and Israel smote most of them. God defeats the enemy when we are clean before the Lord and we pray in spite of doubts and fears. When you pray purposely, keep your eyes and faith on God. Do not let the enemy and doubt and, and fear bother you. I say it so many times, you and God are a majority. Thirdly, Samuel made his prayer specific and direct to the Lord. You do not need, ladies and gentlemen, ceremony among friends. Samuel knew God. Samuel and God were friends. Can I tell you this morning that I want everyone associated with Christ's Legacy Church to know that they know God is for them and God and them are friends. 
How many in this room with your hand raised say, Pastor, God and I are friends. Let me see your hand. God and I are friends. Do you know how many people in the world would love to be able to say that? Do you know how many people and millions in the world that don't even comprehend that? Ladies and gentlemen, we're privileged to be in the household of faith. God and I are friends. The word petition through Scripture is only used 13 times, and petitions, plural, twice. All it means is simply this. I want to tell you, sometimes maybe you need to just sit down and write your request out to the Lord. Just write it out and submit it to the authority of God and watch and pray about it and keep it there and watch when God answers what you put in that articulate prayer. Number four, Samuel offered prayer on the grounds of a blood sacrifice. We read it. Sin, even in Eden, when it began, Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin and themselves with inadequate coverings. They tried the leaves of trees. Even in Eden, God required that something must die to pay for the horrid price of sin. So Samuel took a lamb. He shed its blood. I want to share with you, ladies and gentlemen, in 2020, any other kind of attempt to satisfy the price of sin will fail. All of our well-intentioned righteousness will not work. All of our worthiness won't work. All of our experience won't work. Cain's offering failed. Abel succeeded. The difference was many things, but primarily it was blood because the sacrifice paid for the hardness of sin. It's all a picture that sin destroys. The price of blood is the only remedy for sin. It points us to the cross. It points us to the Christ, the lamb that was slain. And it started in Genesis 3 from the seed of the woman, and it ended in victory for you and me at Calvary and the resurrection. From the foundation of the world, the Christ was performed what he was supposed to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. His name is above every name, and His name gets results from God. The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Call on His name. Call on His name. Call on His name. I want to tell you, Dagon can't help you. All the goddesses of the Asherah can't help you. All the other gods can't help you. This God is the God that paid the price of blood by his own son. Ladies and gentlemen, in the name of Jesus, you and I can own salvation. Number five, prayer will be challenged by the powers of darkness. While Samuel prayed, the enemy drew near. The scripture says that you and I in this hour and day, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and age rulers of darkness and wickedness in high places. Saints, pray on because God will absolutely answer our prayer. He thundered in the spirit world that day till it shook that entire nation and a spirit of confusion was sent from God in that thunder, I believe, that totally caused the enemy so confused. Listen, I will tell you this, there's a spirit of confusion, I believe, from the enemy in our world at this day and time. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be anchored to what we know is absolutely solid truth. 
The prayer of faith, number six, the prayer of faith was answered, not just heard. I want you to look at verse 9. We read it a while ago. The Lord answered him. The King James Version says, heard him. The the, uh, New American Standard Version said, and God answered him. Samuel prayed, and God heard, and God answered. I'm going to go to my last point, number seven. Thought I had six, I have seven. No, six, seven. (laughs) Maybe that gives importance to this. Samuel gave all the glory to God. And I want to share with you that's important. Samuel took a stone, we read it. He took a stone, placed it so the nation could see it. He called the stone Ebenezer, or wrote it on there, meaning, thus far God has helped us. He was trying to say, God is the reason that we are now living in victory. This is a place of victory, and God it is who has brought us to this place. So I want to talk to the generation 2020 in the place where we are. I want to declare some truths that we see for us to keep in mind. Saints, young people, mom, dad, grandparents, all twice-born believers, let us remember it is God that created us. It is God who has loved us. It is God who has required of us. It is God who sustains our lives. And to God, it is to Him that we must and will give an account. And it is God who has planned an eternal relationship with us in the Spirit and in heaven, but He put it in our soul and in our spirit. And so I want to declare this to not only this congregation, but the world today. Anything wonderful about life is God-ordained. Every pleasure, everything that we enjoy, every blessing we have, everything wonderful about God, about life, is ordained of God. He said, I give you life, and I give it to you more abundantly. And that's not just in the here and yonder. That is in the present. I tell you, I'm a blessed, blessed, blessed man. How many of you are blessed? And let me go the other way. Anything challenging about life, it is God who will fight our battles. It is God who will fight our battles. That's why the prayer closet is so important. It is right, ladies and gentlemen, therefore, to give God the glory. To give God the glory. There's something comforting. There's something securing. There's something encouraging and satisfying in the souls of human beings about knowing someone like Samuel. I started this whole thing about talking about a hero. And I suggested Samuel. There's something about our lives where we, it's enriching to know a person who walks with God and who talks with God. How many of you know one? How many of you know one? I don't want us to just know one. I want us to be one.
I lost a friend here a year or so ago. Won't call his name just so I don't bring any aspiration, but it was awesome. About two years after I came here, which was 31 years ago, I had a man call me and he'd been diagnosed with a cancer. And he said, Pastor, would you please come and pray for me? I did. This man had a large cancer in the bone of his jaw. And two days before the surgery, he called me and said, would you come pray for me? I'll never forget that day, that morning. It's about 10 o'clock. How many of you know there's just some times when God just sovereignly walks into a place and just absolutely does what He wants to without asking anybody? I walked into that living room, nobody there but me and this man. Had this big knot on his face. They were going to have to cut the whole bone out and do a radical removal and surgery. It was on the x-ray and everything. And he said, Pastor, come pray. And so, I, I kind of went back to my young days, I guess, because I, I, most of you know on Saturday nights, my family had a prayer meeting every Saturday night, kneeling in the living room. I knelt on the couch here, and this man knelt on the couch over here. I didn't lay hands on him. I, I, didn't, I, I just prayed. About 30 minutes passed. I, I just prayed and felt an awesome power of the Lord. I hugged him and left, told him I'll be believing for him. I want to share with you that his wife is still alive, his family's still alive. They can attest to this. The next morning, that man woke up and there was no knot on this jaw, there was no swelling. He called for a doctor. They took another x-ray. That's been some 30 years ago. He never had surgery. God totally took that cancer out of his body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have too many of those experiences, and you'll know the power of prayer. But can I tell you something? Every time I had a major need for those 30 years when I got ready to really have somebody pray for me, can I tell you, I called Him. You know why? Because God did an awesome thing for that man. And when we lost Him a year or so ago, I think we lost one of the great prayer warriors that I ever knew in my life. Because I always said, if I need something from God, I'm calling you. There's something to know about godly people who walk this planet. They're imperfect in their humanness, but ladies and gentlemen, they're the Samuel of your day, and you call them, and you know that they know how to touch the Lord. I don't know if they'll ever hear this, but I'll never forget when I was in Texas pastoring. A major ministry, several were there, attended the church. One of the people was a lady who was a national prayer line and I was there about 10 months or a year this lady had to wear tennis shoes to church because she was diabetic had lack of 
circulation. One Sunday morning, we were praying for people, anointing them with oil, and she would not, she didn't want anybody else to pray for her. She, I was on the platform, and she asked me to come. Pastor, I've had diabetes. I'm going back to a northern city. Within a couple of weeks, they're planning on amputating my entire foot. And she said, I want you to pray. And she said, when we finish praying today, there will be no more insulin in my body. I'm going to trust the Lord. Listen, I, I, I will just tell you, her brother-in-law was one of the foremost preachers all over this nation that would pray for people and that God would heal them. And I went, in my mind, immediately, watch what Satan did. I, my mind, I went, where's your brother-in-law? Why didn't you have him pray for you? But I said to her, I will never forget it. I didn't like it. She's taller than me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I looked up and I said, My sister, according to your faith, so be it unto you. I know that's King James, but it's real. And I prayed for her. I did not see her for about five weeks. I didn't hear from her. They were gone. I didn't bother them. About five or six weeks later, in that church there was a pair of double doors right in the center aisle. And in about the second song, they, people were up singing like us and raising their hands and clapping and praising the Lord. I will never forget it. I'd love to call her name. I just don't have permission. I will never forget. I'm on the platform. People are worshiping God. She opened both doors. <laughs> this lady was just real. Just just real. No pretenses, no games. I'll never forget. She opened those doors. And she did like this. That she knew I had attention. And I looked at her. And she raised her dress. And raised up her foot. And she had on heels. First time in a decade. And I about came off that platform. She could pray. If you dialed on that prayer telephone all across the nation, which hundreds did every evening, she was the one who would answer it. This woman knew how to pray. What, what was so horrible to me? She asked me to pray. And I want to say, where, where's the brother-in-law? All that to say this. Aren't you glad there's some people that you know that you know that know how to get a hold of the Lord? I'm telling you, God's calling us to be that kind of people today. God's calling us to be that kind of people today. Let each one of us, I'm through, so love the Lord that we are known in this struggling hour, in this very moment, we are known as a man, a woman, or a young person of prayer. And not only a person of prayer, but a person of power in prayer. We're going to pray. Will you stand with me? I know because of this COVID thing, I know there's people who are uncomfortable with shaking hands and all that, and I give you all that. But there's somebody standing beside you or in front of you or behind you 
that you don't know, but they need a prayer answered from the Lord. And I want us to pray for our neighbor that we become enough people of prayer. I said Wednesday night, I think we ought to bring the prayer meeting back to the house. I want to challenge every man, every woman, every family in this room and on the internet. I, I want to challenge you. I like Saturday night. I want, I want to challenge you to bring back a prayer meeting every Saturday night in your house. Dad, Mom, get your children and let them kneel in the living room. And don't just pray and now I lay me down to sleep. Let's pray and teach our children that there is power, there's an anointing, there's purpose in prayer in our homes. I challenge you to have a Saturday night prayer meeting. Not that you have to be like us, but I'll never forget from the time I was five, six years old to the time I left home, I don't remember Saturday night without prayer meeting. It has been such a power in my life. God anoint us to be people of power and of prayer. Amen? Let's show an example. And I believe if we do that, then we'll have power outside of our homes and outside of this sanctuary. And if you think the world doesn't need you, think again. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to point this finger at you. Not to anybody else, but at you. God needs you now.